Chapter Eleven of A Little Florida Lady by Dorothy C. Payne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Bologna Times. Don meets a sad fate. Marion and Beth were getting ready for bed. Marion looked tragic. She brushed her hair so energetically that it seemed as if she must be pulling it out by the handfuls. Suddenly, she threw down the brush and clasped her hands dramatically. I simply must have the money. Beth, interested, looked up at her. What's the matter, Marion? I thought you had plenty of money. You've been saving your allowance for weeks to spend at the fair. So I have, but I lost my pocket book with every bit of the money at the fair today. Why, Marion Davenport, Beth gasped. Marion burst into tears. Beth rushed up to her sister and threw her arms around her neck. I'm awfully sorry, Marion. Marion brushed the tears away and continued. I hate to have Papa and Mamma think me so dreadfully careless, so I'm not going to let them know, but I've just got to have some money. Beth, won't you lend me part of yours? I'll pay you just as soon as I can get some more. Beth hung her head. I'm awfully sorry, but I've spent all my money. Marion looked at her in surprise. Why, Beth Davenport, how is that? Beth seated herself upon the floor. Well, Marion, you know both you and I decided to buy Mama's birthday present before the fair began, for fear we wouldn't have anything left to buy it with. Well, after that, I had only a dollar. But that dollar was to last you all the week. Beth took down a brush and brushed out the snarls while she talked. Yes, I know it was, but you see, Marion, Julia and Harvey were with me today. They were my guests. Papa gave me the tickets to take them. Well, it was dreadfully hot, and we did want some ice cream awfully, so I asked them to have some. There was thirty cents gone. Marion looked judicial. Well, what about the other seventy? Beth brushed snarls so vigorously that she winced once or twice. Well, you may think me dreadfully foolish, but I invited them to the Punch and Judy show. That took thirty cents more. Well, but you still should have forty cents. Beth stopped brushing and clasped her hands. Well, I just couldn't help it. I, well, this is how it happened. You know Papa gave Gustus tickets for the fair for himself, his brothers and sisters, and Mama let him have the afternoon off. Well, just as we came out of the Punch and Judy show, we met them. You know Mama gives Gustus clothes, but the others looked dreadfully ragged. I stopped and spoke to them and asked them if they were going into the show. Marion, tears came into Gustus' eyes as he said, Missy Beth, the likes of us don't go to shows. I's never been to a show in my life. Never been to a show in his life? How was that, Beth? That was just what I asked him, Marion. I knew Mama paid for him waiting on us. He told me that he took all his money to his mother, Marion. I just couldn't help it. I spent my last forty cents for four Punch and Judy tickets for four of them, and Harvey and Julia bought some for the others. Do you think we were foolish? Marion hesitated for an instant. I suppose I should have done the same thing in your place. I am awfully sorry, though, you haven't any money to lend me. 
Maybe my dress and cake will take prizes. Then I'll have some to lend you. Beth could hardly wait for the last day of the exhibition to see if she would be awarded any prize. She thought that nothing could mar her happiness if she received one. The prizes were decided upon Friday night, but were not to be made public until Saturday morning. Beth was up bright and early, therefore, on Saturday. She was all impatience to be through breakfast, that she might learn her fate, but she found that she might as well possess her soul in patience, as Maggie provoking, and would not hurry in the least. To pass away the time, Beth hunted up Don. At sight of her, he barked and wagged his tail. She threw her arms about his neck. Yes, Don, I know you're glad to see me, and I love you with all my heart. Come on, and we'll have a play. But, for some unaccountable reason, he did not seem ready for a frolic. As soon as she let go of him, he walked back by the stable and lay down. Come on, Don, she called coaxingly. He did not budge. She stamped her foot impatiently. "'Oh, everybody's provoking me this morning. "'You're horrid and mean, Don, and I don't believe I love you after all.' He looked up at this. His gaze seemed a reproach to her, but she grew only the crosser. "'Oh, you needn't be looking that way at me. "'You're lazy, and you know it. "'If you were sorry, you'd play with me. "'No, I don't love you one little bit.' She walked back to the house, and then sulked until the breakfast gong sounded. To make up for being somewhat late, Maggie had prepared an extra-fine meal. Mr. and Mrs. Davenport, and even Marian, proved unusually talkative that morning, and they started their breakfast very happily. Beth, too, could not withstand the general good humor, and soon her spirits began to rise. She said, however, "'Do you know that horrid old Don would not play with me this morning? He—' At that instant— January came running up on the piazza, where they were eating breakfast. "'Missy Beth,' he cried, "'come quick. Don acts mighty queer. Pears like he's dying.' Not only Beth, but Mr. and Mrs. Davenport and Marion jumped up from the table and ran out to the barn. They found the noble dog where Beth had left him. He was, in truth, in the very throes of death." Beth fell on her knees beside him and lifted his head upon her lap. Tears were streaming from her eyes so that she could hardly see him. Don, she cried, you know I didn't mean it. You know I love you. His fast, glazing eye brightened momentarily at the sound of her voice. If he could have spoken, he would have said, Little mistress, I never doubted your love. I wasn't lazy. You know now why I wouldn't play. Oh, we must do something for him. It would break my heart if he died, cried poor Beth. I'm scared it's too late, but maybe if I fotch, began January. But Don, with one long loving look at Beth, gave up his breath with a gasp, stretching out in the rigidity of death. It is too late, said Mr. Davenport huskily. "'No, no, no!' cried Beth. "'God wouldn't be so cruel as to let him die. "'Don, look at me. "'Dear old doggy, I love you. "'I love you.' "'But Don was beyond range of her call. "'Mrs. Davenport and Marion were crying softly, too, "'and there were tears even in the eyes of Mr. Davenport and January. 
Yo's breakfast all getting cold, called Maggie, not knowing of the trouble. Food would choke me, declared Marian. I couldn't eat either. Do you want anything, James? asked Mrs. Davenport. No, I'm not hungry now. There was a break in Mr. Davenport's voice. Clear off the table, Maggie. Don is dead. Don dead? cried Maggie, running out. Why, what am de matter? I allows he got hold some of de rat pison, said January. At sight of Beth's intense grief, Maggie's heart melted. Dar, dar, honey, don't you cry. Yo's pal get you another dog. I don't want another dog. I want my Don. I want him. I'll never be happy again. And Beth cried so hard that Mr. Davenport tried to comfort her. Beth, he said, I have some news that will make you happy. I knew all about it last night, but I wouldn't tell you because I wanted you to find it out for yourself. Both your dress and cake have taken prizes, first prizes at that. Her sobs did not lessen in the least. She hid her face on her father's shoulder and murmured, A hundred prizes wouldn't make up for dear old Don, my dear old doggie, who saved my life. End of chapter 11